All right, welcome into our first ever episode of the Brigham Beat here with the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Caleb Call. We're going to be covering the BYU Cougars here as they go into the Big 12. You can expect one to two episodes per week. And for this first one, we actually have a special guest as we're going to preview our first opponent, Sam Houston. And Jason Barfield will be joining us. He is the Associate Athletic Director of Broadcast for the Bearcats. Welcome in, Jason. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, thanks for joining me here. It sounds like you're going to be making the way out to the game this week, huh? Please tell me the weather's going to be nice, at least cooler. I I don't care about (laughs) anything else. Just tell me it's going to be cooler because I'm getting tired of 100-degree days. You you know what? Me and you have a lot in common, actually. I live in Arizona, and I'm flying up Friday as well for the game. It's 116 degrees yesterday. so It's just brutal. Yeah. Last time I checked the the uh, weather forecast, I think we're looking at an 85 degree high and probably about 70 degrees at kickoff. So it should be I'll a nice, it. cool day for the two of us. I'll take it. Yes. And, and you were telling me that you go into this game isn't too abnormal for you. You have quite a streak of attending football games with Sam Houston. Yeah, I don't know what my total number is. I mean, I've been going pretty regularly since I started in the athletic department in '95, but. Um, I haven't missed a game since 2010. So it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 150, 160 straight games that uh, that I've been to. My, my AD has actually missed a couple in that stretch. So I think I've got the longest active streak right now uh, for Sam Houston football. Wow, that is incredible. Are there any venues that stick out during that time you can go into games? i tell you what, you know, uh, Washington, uh, Wagres. Montana Stadium is, you know, for an FCS stadium, that one's incredible. Um, that That's one of those ones you just don't really see. You hear the atmosphere is great and everything like that. And uh, it, it really lived up to it. You know, Saturday night in Baton Rouge is, is something special. Yeah. Uh, got to do that a few years ago. And then just, you know, all the – everything here in Texas is, you know, you grow up and you're watching college football. So – you know, being able to go to Texas and play against the Longhorns, going to Texas A&M and playing against the Aggies. You know, we've been to Baylor. We've been to Texas Tech. You know, we've, we've done all of that. And uh, so, you know, that's always neat. That's one of the things I'm excited for in the Big 12 for BYU is going to some of those Texas schools. We got to go to Waco back in 2021, and the game didn't necessarily go our way. Um, but at least it gave us kind of a preview of what the Big 12 is going to be for us. But Texas Tech, we haven't played them since 1940, interesting oh, wow. enough. TCU, we were in the Mountain West with them for a while, so there's another you know Texas connection we have there, and it'll be a little bit of a rivalry rekindled with them. I feel like right now BYU and Sam Houston are really in the same boat. I mean, the rest of college football is kind of gearing up for this to be the last season of normalcy before we have an expanded playoff, before the conferences blow up as we know it. The Pac-12 is going to be gone. We're going to have an expanded SEC and Big Ten. And here, BYU and Sam Houston are both in a transitory state this season, us to the Big 12 and you guys to the FBS level with the Conference USA. And Sam Houston's had a really strong program at the FCS level, even won a championship just a couple of years ago in the COVID spring season. I'm just curious, uh, why was this the right time for Sam Houston to make the move up to the FBS level? Yeah, I think the big thing for us is this was not uh, a decision that was made, you know, overnight. Um you know, we started the process of exploring a move to FBS football back in 2010. 
Um, we, we, we brought in some people and they did an evaluation on our department and they set some benchmarks of, you know, if you want to move up to the FBS level, you've got to do this, this, and this. And three years later, they came along and we had met all those benchmarks. And so they put some new ones. You've got to do this and you've got to do, you know, so, so we've continuously been doing this and getting our program ready so that at the time that call did come, we were able to say yes. And I think having transitioned from the Southland Conference to the WAC originally two years ago was big because it kind of started already getting us into this mindset of, okay, we've got to elevate this. Our travel is going to be a little bit different. We've got to, you know, there's things that we were already doing so that when Conference USA reached out after all the dominoes started to fall, it wasn't a matter of, well, let's, sit down and see if it's something we can do, we were able to say, yes, we can do this. Well, that's awesome. And like I said, I feel like there's a lot of similarities. That same time frame is kind of when BYU, we, we went independent and we had to start gearing up for hopefully a power five invite. We never knew if it was going to come and eventually did with the big 12, thankfully. Um, one of the things that we experienced that you guys are about to experience is um, kind of a lull in our biggest rivalry with the Holy War. You guys are leaving Stephen F. Austin behind as well at the FCS level. I'm just curious, have you heard how that game is going to be handled in the future and I guess the impact to that rivalry with this move? You know, it, that's tough. I mean, it, it really is. It was, you know, it was one of the games that I look forward to every year. I haven't missed a game against SFA since 1994. I mean, that's the last time that we played that I wasn't there for it. Uh, that's a long time yeah. to be attending and, and seeing your rival. And uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's hard. Um, but at the same time, um, we knew that this was a move that we needed to make. And, you know, you can't, you can't bring emotion into decisions like this sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's a shame that we're not going to be able to play them for quite some time. Hopefully there's a day in the future where they're an FBS program and we can start playing again. But it just doesn't make sense, uh, us being FBS and them staying as an FCS, for us to continue to play each other. So um, hate that it happened, uh, but but love the fact that we've been able to, to kind of pivot and, and keep a game at NRG Stadium. And we're going to get Air Force this year. We've already announced Texas State for next year. So kind of uh, rekindling an old rivalry that we had, uh, Texas State, to some people was just as bitter of a rival for us before they left the Southland Conference in 2010. So, um, you know, yes, we lose SFA, but maybe we bring Texas State back into the fold and, and get that one going again, and then we'll see what happens down the future. Yeah, that's awesome. As far as the NRG Stadium, I saw that you guys were playing Air Force there. BYU's had a chance to play there, too, against Houston um, back a couple of seasons ago. It's a cool venue there. And I guess you guys and Stephen F. Austin used to play there for your guys' rivalry games. Yeah, we've been there 11, last 11 years. Uh, 2000, oh, wow. 2010 was our first, our first game there. And um, so, yeah, it's, it had become a big thing. I mean, we were pulling 25, close to 30,000 people per game for that. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, I mean, here we are um, when we're recording this Wednesday before the, the big game week one. I'm curious what the energy around the program or in the locker room is as we gear up for the first game at the FBS level for Sam Houston. I think there's just a lot of excitement. Um, you know, not only not only is this our first game at the FBS level, it, it's really the first time we've kind of had a, a normal football season 
in quite some time. I mean, you got to go back to 2019 that we went into a year that we knew was going to be like what we were expecting to be. It was an 11 game schedule and we were playing to potentially get into the playoffs. And, you know, we knew what was in front of us, but, you know, we don't play in fall of 2020, 2021. We played 22 games that calendar year. You know, we won 21 straight games in 2021 Uh, last season because of the transition. We're not playoff eligible. Uh, A couple of teams dropped off the schedule late. And we decided not to fill it. And we played a nine-game schedule. We redshirted 15 guys. So, you know, you really got to go back a good ways to to find the last time that we had a, a normal season in front of us. So I think just from that standpoint, it, it's exciting to get back to the kind of football that I think everybody's been accustomed to. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the 15 redshirted players. That's kind of been a hot topic over here in, you know, the BYU fandom. It's not necessarily a tactic that we've seen very often, but obviously you guys are in a special situation moving up a level. You had a, a smaller season, only nine games. Uh, what Was the decision to redshirt those players controversial last year? How did that come to be, and what will be the impact of those players heading into the season? No, and, you know, one of the things I think it's kind of lost in this is, yeah, we had a nine-game schedule last year. The NCAA allows you to play four games before redshirting. Now, they look at that as being, you know, four of potentially 12 games. Well, you know, so we were still able to play those guys four games last year. That's almost half the season. Yeah. So it's not like these guys are, you got to go back two years since the last time they played competitive football. Almost all of these guys who redshirted got their four games in last year. So, you know, they they were with the team. They played some meaningful, a lot of them played in the Battle of the Piney Woods game against SFA. So they got to play in those big games, but then they were able to sit out, not go through the rest of the season, but still be around the team. So, you know, every single one of them had the choice. Uh, It wasn't a matter of that the coaches, Coach Keeler didn't sit down and say, you know, you're going to redshirt this year. He talked to all of them about it. He gave them the choice. If you want to play a full schedule this year, you're more than welcome. But here's the plan we'd like to put in place, and it's your choice. And so those guys chose this because they wanted to be part of this first season of FBS football. And on top of those 15 players, you guys also had a pretty good portal class. One of the guys coming in, um, Grant Gannell, hopefully I pronounced that right, with experience from Arizona and North Texas most recently. And he's been in a a pretty tight quarterback battle from the sounds of it with Keegan Shoemaker, who was just recently named a, a team captain. Has there been any resolution to that quarterback battle? And what are your expectations for who's going to be starting week one? I tried to get it out of coach today. Uh, <laughs> he, he would not say uh, so. But, you know, I think he's been impressed with both guys. Uh, there, there's pros and cons of each. Um, but I think two of the factors you have to look at, and I'm sure will come into effect here, is Keegan was the guy. He's played for this team for a couple of years now. And um, he they really like the way things have worked out for him in practice, in camp, and we've got a new offensive coordinator who's done some things with Keegan. And so they've liked the progression that he's had there. When you look at Grant, Grant's coming in. He's still learning a new system, and he hasn't played a lot of football lately. So, you know, when you look at those two factors, I think Keegan's probably, um, you know, going to get that first shot just because, you know, he's the guy that's been here. But, um, no, they're not saying anything to me about it, and uh, they're kind of staying tight-lipped on it. And uh, it's going to be a decision that they decide to make, you know, Saturday when when we see who trots out on the field to take that first snap, I'm guessing. 
and I know our coaches have been saying that they're preparing for the two of them. On top of just the quarterback battle, there's a lot of difficulty when it comes to scouting Sam Houston because on top of a new quarterback, potentially we're also looking at a new offensive coordinator who comes from Virginia Tech. With, with all the change that Sam Houston's going through, um, with new conference, new coordinator, and so on, what are the expectations for this first season here at the FBS level? You know, I think I think the big expectation is just, you know, continue to progress, continue to show that uh, that you can be competitive and and learn and grow as we grow through this process. Nobody, you know, it is a change in mindset. It's going to be tough, you know, for the fans because every year we went into the season as a favorite to win the national championship. And, you know, that goal right now, while is still there, you know, you always say you want to win a championship. I think you have to change the expectations a little bit. So, you know, I think it'll be important for for everybody involved to be able to see, you know, are we staying competitive? Is, you know, is can you see what's being built? Because this isn't something that's going to be done overnight. It's not something that's going to be done this year. But as long as you can see the path forward and see that you're continuing to press along, just like we've done as a department for the last 13 years, you set benchmarks and you go and you try to meet them. And then once you meet those benchmarks, you set new ones and you continue to progress. I think that's the big thing. And we've seen teams make the jump and be effective at the FBS level relatively quickly, looking at James Madison. I think they had an eight-win season last year. Appalachian State obviously has had success. And even UTSA right there in the same state as you guys, I mean, they were able to move all the way up to the American Athletic Conference. They've had a couple of 11-win seasons. Um, I guess uh, have you been able to observe their transitions up and what have you learned from the other teams that have made the jump? Yeah, I, I think they've put a blueprint out there. I, I, I certainly think that that's the case. And, you know, I know our coaching staff and our athletic department has has taken note of those things. And, um, you know, I, that's another thing that makes it somewhat comforting is you've seen teams move up. I mean, Georgia Southern's another one that uh, that was very competitive at the FCS level and uh, and jumped up and was able to win some games and, and look competitive out there. So, you know, I think those kind of things make it like, okay, we can do this. We we won at the highest level in FCS. And, you know, so it's time to make that jump. It's time to make that leap and and try to test ourselves against that next best level of college football. And making this jump, how important is the stability that Casey Keeler, having been there for an entire decade at this point, brings to the team? Oh, I think it's big. Um, you know, not just stability within the program, but just, you know, his what he's done in college football. And, you know, he's won – everywhere he's been and uh you know national championship here national championship at delaware he played for a national championship um you know his time at rowan he was perennially in that national championship picture so he's always won that's what he knows and so he's not going to expect anything less and uh he talked about it uh i think he's brought it up a couple times this week that he was one of the first guys when the discussion came out that we were going to be moving to Conference USA or that that was a possibility. He wasn't sure if it was the right move or not. Um, but after he saw the dedication from the department, from the university, and everybody surrounding around it and saw the plan that was in place, he's excited. And he feels like it's something that he can build on. And, uh, you know, he's he's getting towards the end of his career. And this is certainly a chance for him to – coach at FBS and put a winning product out there. So, you know, I think that's big to have him around to to help through this process. He put this plan in place. And uh, so to have him here to see it out and to implement it, it's huge. 
And I know our coach Kalani, he has been super complimentary of Casey. Obviously there's a lot of respect there and he's a name that, I mean, everyone throughout the country knows in the coaching world. Um, we, we actually just watched Rich Rodriguez lead Jacksonville state to their first FBS game against UTEP, actually a home game out there in Alabama. And they came out with the win, which I, I know they weren't the favorite to do. It was close to a pick them there and, and they were able to pull it out. As for Sam Houston, if you guys were able to do the same thing and, and upset the Cougars, what would that game look like? What would have to go well for you guys? You know, I think the big thing is, you know, it, it's cliche, but they can't turn the ball over. Um, you know, when you look at the game against A&M last year to open the season, we were in that game for a good stretch of the first half. And then the costly turnover, A&M punches it in, makes a big play, and it just turns the momentum. And uh, so got to protect the ball. And got to really control the clock, too. I mean, they can't put the defense out on the field all the time. And so the offense has to be able to move the ball. And, uh, you know, if they can do those things, you're in the mix. And, you know, you get that game into the second half, and then we see what happens. And, um, you know, obviously BYU is the favorites here. And, you know, I don't think anybody's doubting that. But the, we've seen time and time again when a, when a big favorite kind of gets into the second half of a football game and it's tight, they start tightening up. And so, you know, I think that's the things that you have to look at is how this game plays out, but you can't get, you can't get down early. You get down early. It makes it really tough. And as we, we've seen that game plan here against us multiple times, but back in the COVID season with Zach Wilson, coastal Carolina, the infamous game that got scheduled just a few days before it kicked off. That was, I mean, their entire mindset, run the clock, force our defense to be on the field as long as possible and it's a game plan that worked. We were double-digit favorites going into that one. And like you said, in the fourth quarter, found ourselves in a one-point ball game, and they made the plays, and we did it down the stretch. And absolutely could see that being a possibility in this case, too. You mentioned turnovers. Our defense was one of the worst in the country last year when it came to forcing turnovers, when it came to getting off the field in general. I mean, it was honestly abysmal and, and kind of pathetic, the way that we give up scores to teams like Arkansas and Liberty just drive after drive. And with that, we, we brought in a new defensive coordinator as well, Jay Hill, who I believe you guys are familiar with the FCS level over at Weber State. He was their head coach yeah. for a long time. And we're, we're hoping at least that his system, he, it's been all aggression has been the word that we've heard multiple times in interviews from the players, from the, the coaching staff. So it'll be interesting to see the dynamic there because I know that we're hoping to cause a lot of havoc where it sounds like Sam Houston's trying to mitigate that. Um, who, who are a couple of players on Sam Houston's team that we should keep our eyes out for? Yeah, you know, a couple of the guys on the offensive side that are really exciting. Uh, running back Zach Herbacek. Uh, he was a he's a young guy, and uh, going back and watching some of his video from last year, and I had forgotten how many just big plays he made. Really explosive running back, and you know they're they're saying that they really like his progression. And then at wide receiver Ife Adei. Uh, just a really fun. He's he's the guy who caught the touchdown in the national championship game. Uh, he he caught a big touchdown against SFA in the Piney Woods game last year. He's always been a guy that they've looked to to come up and make a big play. So on the offensive side, those two guys are really fun. Defensively, um, pick a linebacker. They're all fun to watch. They all do different things. Uh, but Trevor Williams, uh, senior captain. We list him at five, eight and a half. I, I don't know if he, I mean, we might list him at five, nine now. You know, he, he's not that, uh, but he plays so much bigger. I mean, sideline to sideline guy. He's a lot of fun to watch, especially for his size. And, uh, and then 
you know, a guy who kind of emerged on the team last year, Kavion Gaither, and um, I'm not going to say came out of nowhere. They knew what, you know, he was capable of, but he's the guy who kind of took advantage of some of the other players redshirting. And, uh, you know, he had a chance to step up and show what he could do and had a huge year last year. So I think that linebacking group is really deep and whoever's out on the field playing linebacker for us is going to be fun to watch. Well, thanks for the insight there. I'm super excited for this one. Should be a super fun game um, Saturday night in Provo. When do you and the team get into town? Uh, fly in Friday afternoon, evening, I guess. Um, and then we'll fly back out right afterwards. So I'm looking forward to getting up there. Um, I've only been to Utah once. We went there last year. We played Utah Tech. So uh, this will be my second trip out there. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. I hope that you guys have safe travels. How can our listeners find you and your work, Jason? Um, me personally, I'm on Twitter at Jason Barfield. But, you know, all the content that, that we're doing with the Bearcat Sports Network, is at Bearcat Vid, and you can find uh, podcasts that we do. You can find our press conference that we that we do uh, each week with Coach Keeler. So there's content there. Uh, so at Bearcat Vid is where you can find a lot of the stuff that we're doing. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for your time, Jason, and thanks for all of our listeners here at the Brigham Beat. Stay tuned for our next next episode. Um, and yeah, go Cougars. All right, thank you.